Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee. This is the Autosport Podcast. Well, for the final time on a Sunday night, this is your Grand Prix review. Max Verstappen dominated the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Behind him, Charles Leclerc held off a charging Sergio Perez to steal second place in the Drivers' Championship. The main interest, in fairness, in the Grand Prix was the strategy offset between a one-stopping Leclerc and a two-stopping Perez in a very tense final stint. Lewis Hamilton beat Carlos Sainz into fourth off the starting line, but then Sainz got alongside him under braking later in the lap, edged Hamilton off over the curbs. Hamilton, well, a bit like actually Verstappen and Hamilton in 2021, uh, the Mercedes scampered over the runoff area, but got airborne, hit a big curb, and after a big impact, Hamilton would eventually retire with hydraulic, hydraulic failure. Leclerc got second by one stopping, like I say. Perez couldn't make that two-stop strategy work because of in fairness to him, some driver errors, which meant he spent a little too long in traffic. And although Red Bull told him he'd catch Leclerc by the end of the Grand Prix, he just couldn't overhaul him. Ferrari's Carlos Sainz was fourth. Mercedes' George Russell in fifth, despite a time penalty for an unsafe pit release in the path of Lando Norris, who himself finished sixth. Ocon seventh, the only finishing Alpine because Alonso retired. Stroll in eighth. Ricardo ninth, holding off fellow one-stopper Seb Vettel, who did score points on his goodbye to Formula One today and some brilliant donuts at the end as well. And just a real, just a real happy vibe around the whole weekend with Vettel uh, wrapping up his Formula One career. In the Drivers' Championship, so I've mentioned Leclerc, second. In the Teams' Championship, it was Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, then Alpine did beat McLaren, then Alfa Romeo and Aston Martin, both on 55 points, Alfa win on Countback. Today I'm joined by our Chief Editor Kevin Turner, Jess McFadden, who's been missing for a couple of weeks because of her travels, and our F1 reporter, Luke Smith. Now, uh, Luke and Jess, you're both there this weekend. I really... I love the vibe of the Grand Prix. So much, so different to last year. All those posters of Max and Lewis, head-to-head, the jewel in the desert, all that kind of stuff, which, 
you know, and then obviously what happened was pretty toxic afterwards. So, uh, I, you know, I, I enjoyed Formula One this weekend. It was nice. Yeah, it's definitely a very different vibe. And that's something I actually said on the grid to, to one of my friends. Like, it just feels so different to 2021 when it was all this tension and, and hype and um, maybe sort of, um, I guess... It, it was just the bitterness of that title fight. It was all so, so sort of um, the way it finished as well. I remember like this time, 12 months ago, we were sort of like going around saying, well, what's going to happen? Like, are they going to overturn the result? Are they going to cancel the final lap? What's going on with the process? And now instead today, we've had such a day of like love for Sebastian Vettel and just the way the paddock has come together for him has been really, really wonderful. And yeah, it's definitely far, far lower stakes. It's felt like this year. And obviously we like our races to be exciting and for of action and and to have something riding on them and you don't always get that with the season finale sometimes you get it where the championship settled with four races to go and that was the case this year but I think that it has it's been quite nice that it's actually allowed the spotlight to shine on Sebastian Vettel and everyone to be so sort of I guess loving towards him and to to just show how much he's appreciated because say this were say Vettel retired at the end of last season then we wouldn't have been really talking about him we would have had that that the sort of final lap and then everyone had been like oh Vettel's doing donuts but but oh Max has won the title but has he and blah 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 and instead <laughs> it just meant that we could fully focus on on Seb really and I think it's all the way through the weekend that's kind of been the overriding story like obviously yeah Max won the race and Leclerc has got second in the championship but I think it's just been wonderful to see the way that the whole paddock has come together for Seb and that really today was his day absolutely was now Jess we've not had you on the Sunday Night Podcast for a few weeks now we'll take it personally seriously it's so good to have you back and you're there as well and you've been soaking up the atmosphere <laughs> uh, and you were there last year as well and we certainly weren't recording the podcast as early as this uh, I mean it's still five hours after the flag <laughs> I think it last was, year it was 3am by the time we managed to work out what was going on if we had the results that we had seen crossing the crossing the finish line um, but yeah so it's a much more um, convenient time shall we say to be able Absolutely. to get get recording. Uh, what's it been like for you? Because uh, you've you've done the last couple of races, but with travel, uh, in, all, in all seriousness, but it was just because of your travel commitments, we couldn't get you on the show. And you've been on nearly every show this year. So what's it been like following Formula One as, it's, as the season's wrapped up? It's all right, Martin. You could admit that you've banished me for my... Uh, That's what it was. My That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this year it really feels like we're back to end of school vibes at Abu Dhabi, which is the Abu Dhabi that we had come to, to know usually because... It's only on a couple of occasions has the the season gone down to the final race. It's been nice to have that back, I think, especially after last year. And you, when you're speaking to people around the paddock, I think the exhaustion of having such a long calendar and I guess not as long as we had anticipated. We did have Russia obviously drop off the, the calendar. So we went one race down, but it, it definitely has taken its toll I think on the people that have worked in it which I know it's great for everyone watching at home but you can tell there's a lot of people in this paddock that are very much looking forward to the winter break let's just say that um but yeah and and of course it's physically finishing earlier in the year as well like it was so close to Christmas because of Covid and getting races in so it feels a bit more normal but it's nice that it's just the whole toxicity of it, it 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 really wore on me as the winter went on and even when we came back, I just didn't enjoy that aspect of Formula One. I know lots of people like that gladiatorial aspect, particularly on social media, or they support their team. It's a bit like people who come home when their football team has won or lost at the weekend. That's whether they're going to have a good or a bad night. But I'm like, well, you weren't on the pitch. So, you know, you know I'm glad you're invested, but it's a sport and... And, you know, it's a sport we love. So it's nah, it's 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 really nice. And so did you get a chance to talk to, to Seb this weekend or was he swamped? All of the autosport contingent that are out here managed to do a track run with Seb, which was we were saying how how very different it was from when Alonso retired. There was obviously there was stuff done like we were remembering that the driver briefing room got painted in all those murals, which since got painted over because he came back um, and it would be very <laughs> weird for all the drivers to have to sit in a briefing room with tributes to a guy who's still there so that didn't last yeah. too long um, but it was it was just such a wholesome 
thing to have organised. And it was Seb that organised that run. It wasn't organised mm. by anybody else. It was um, it was the media. Uh, he put it on for the media and for the teams because, and he said last night, he gave a little speech just before we went on the run. And he said, you know, this is just something that I've always enjoyed. I've always enjoyed running the tracks. And I would just <coughs> love to share it with all of you who have been here for my career. And uh, yeah, he, he ran with Mick and... It was so hot and so sweaty and I had not hydrated in preparation for this. I think I'd had a double espresso before we hit the track, which was in a complete rookie error. But we were all noticing as well, like the conditions out here are actually, even though we're only a couple of weeks earlier, say, than last year, it's so hot here. Like this, Mm. this week has been sweltering I did feel like oh maybe this is a little insight into what the drivers go through when they're losing buckets and buckets of 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 bodily fluid and weight because uh, of how hot it is out here but um no it was just such a really wholesome thing to do and there's just been a bunch of really wholesome things happening and I think it's just testament to what a guy Vettel is there have been so many stories coming out this weekend about how much he's been there for drivers. You know, Ricardo said that he's picked up the phone and called Ricardo at tough times to help him. Um, Max even um, gave a, the story of, of when he had his crash last year at Silverstone and ended up in the hospital. When he got back to the paddock, Seb was waiting for him in his motorhome to make sure he was okay. And there aren't that many people, you know, there are some plenty lovely guys that are driving on this grid, but it just feels like, Vettel goes that extra mile and I I don't think there was a bad word to be said about about Vettel from anybody and everybody wanted to make sure that he had the send-off that he deserved and I think he did so it was it was really yeah it was really nice to be here and to see it and I hope it translated back at home as well just like how much he's he's been a valued um, member of of Formula One and and how much he's going to be missed. Do you think we'll see him back in the Formula One paddock at some point? Not necessarily, you know, testing next year. So it was interesting, he said. I mean, he said in the press conferences on Thursday, this place has a funny way of being able to draw you back in. So whether or not he does an Alonso and comes back in a when a seat right, the seat becomes available, or if he comes back in a different guise, because I think his campaigning, um, he did he did actually did an Instagram live this evening. I don't know if anybody again managed to catch that it was it was on just after the the a couple of hours after the race finished but he jumped on Instagram live and he wanted to explain the t-shirt that he was wearing uh, as he came into the paddock which had a a picture of the world and it just said the word invitation underneath it and essentially that was connected to his message after the race where he's saying that he you know he gave the reasons as to why he is pushing the climate change agenda so much and he said it had to do with um his kids being born and then he lost his father-in-law and said that you know the the juxtaposition of life and death made him think differently about the world and what his lifestyle had been you know he he was very honest about the fact that I flew around in private jets and I drive a gas guzzling formula one Mm. car so I think he you know he's not he knows that he's not lived a perfect life but now that he he knows that he can use his platform to to try and drive good, and I don't think he's done with that. So I don't know. Maybe there will be some kind of role for him in helping F1 find better sustainability, or you know, maybe he'll he'll just want to come back to make sure that he's got a platform and can use his voice for for good now that he's not um, burning the fuel, shall we say? Kev, now uh, Kevin, we got a, uh, you've got a magazine to get out for uh, for Thursday. Last week, of course, green masthead with Russell's first win. Normally, a color that we've reserved for autosport turning from red to green when Lewis Hamilton wins a title. But certainly, won't be doing that next week. But who's going on the front cover of the magazine? Is it going to be a a big picture of Vettel and a small picture of Verstappen? But then again, Verstappen's just had an absolutely dominant season. Is it something like seventeen? Oh, how many wins has he had with, all, with, with any sprints? Oh, well, with the sprints 15. as well, yeah. But well, don't count them. Don't don't pull me into the sprint nonsense. Okay. Like 15 I'm Grand sorry. Prix. They're just, <laughs> right. they're just a little starter. Of... They're just a little starter to the right. main course. Let's not get carried away with counting <laughs> those as well. Otherwise, the statistics will be <laughs> well, even more screwed up. And as someone who likes well, numbers... Well, six next year. 
So, yeah, well, yeah, don't, yes. don't like this. Uh, brace, brace for <laughs> the six. calendar gets ever bigger uh, until presumably we reach a NASCAR yeah. point of thirty-six races. But it's a tricky one. I have been thinking about that tonight. I think, in terms of the content in the magazine, it's going to be about it's going to be a lot about the Grand Prix and the record-breaking. Uh, I've done a piece on comparing Verstappen's record-breaking season versus other great seasons. Um, so I, I think you know, m- yeah, Max, and of course there's the fight for second as well, which we'll have to. We'll have to weave in there somehow, but yeah, there will definitely be a slot somewhere on there for Seb because that's the feel good. That's the feel good story of the weekend, right? Like everyone, everyone likes him, um, and actually, I think he's always been a pretty good character. I know that he was for a while. It was oh, this young German in a team that's never won anything before, and then all it's put people's noses out of joint. But actually, you know, he's he's always been someone more interested in the sport and um, you know, sports history than a lot of drivers. You know, he corrected Christian Horner. Uh, over the radio once about uh, previous world title winners. I'm sure we've all seen the video of him reeling off all the world champions going backwards from now to 1950. You know, that's pretty cool. How are other people going to rock up in their own FW14B at the British Grand Prix as well? Like, you, know, you can't not like him, really. And I think that, you know, Lewis Hamilton being outspoken about the things he believed in is kind of perhaps added to Seb's feeling of confidence and maturity that, yeah, I, I can have a say as well. And the two of them have been yeah. a real force for good beyond F1, probably since the pandemic, yeah. really. The last two or three years has been when they've really found their voice. So I, I agree with, with what Jess says. I think we, we've definitely not heard the last um, from Sebastian Investor, and I hope we haven't too. But I'd be very surprised if he does an Alonso and comes back and starts a gr- any more Grand Prix. I think I think we're done. I think he's on 299. I suspect there's a bit of a kind of motorsport historian. He probably quite likes that as well. That's a nice little quirk. Um, yeah, he'll be back, but I don't think he'll be back in uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, as a Grand Prix driver. But of course, the website is there 24-7 at autosport.com. And one of the articles you can read on that right now is all of our writers talking about their favourite Seb Vettel moments. Luke, I should quickly ask before we get on to talking about Verstappen, uh, what was your favourite Seb Vettel moment that you wrote for that piece? Uh, Mine was the 2013 Singapore Grand Prix, which is a bit of an odd one because it was just another dominant Seb Vettel win through that run of nine victories at the end of 2013. But that was one of the first F1 races I covered actually on site. And in that race, Vettel had got pole obviously only needed one lap in Q3 didn't even bother going for a second run then uh, start of the race went off into the distance and then there was a safety car that basically completely wiped away his lead and sort of made it look like it was going to be pretty tough for him but um, then afterwards he, he pulled away at two seconds per lap and like that's not that's wow. not a gap you see nowadays in F1 you look back through the record books and like the 88 McLaren or whatever and obviously the advantage was so big but I just remember just the way he just pumped out lap after lap after lap and made this huge lead um, yeah that, that was my favourite said moment let's talk about today's race winner Max Verstappen it was one of those races where I'm sure it's not easy because uh, it's flippant to say that, but he made it look easy, which is, of course, the, the hallmark of a, of a, any great driver, let alone a great double world champion. Whatever tyre strategy Red Bull went with, and today the winning strategy was a, uh, was that one stop. Was anyone catching Max Verstappen today? Could anyone have you know zigged when he zagged? Was there any way to do it? Because the you know the Ferraris gave it a go. But it looked like the one stop was the quickest way to run a race today. Yeah, there wasn't no, there wasn't really anyone who could get close to Verstappen today. I think there was a, a moment when he came out after his stop and Perez was uh, a bit closer than he had been before the stop. And uh, part of me thought, oh, might Red Bull might want to maybe do something here just to give give Checo uh, give give Checo that P two in the championship uh, absolutely confirmed. And obviously, that 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 wasn't going to happen because it was just that the undercut was so powerful <laughs> that Checo had been able to make up quite a lot of ground and get close to Max. And then Max again peeled off into the distance with his fresher tyres and yeah it was all completely under control like there was no point where Max ever looked at risk of losing this race uh yeah start was very clean very good and from there it was just pretty much checked out Perez never got within DRS I don't think so uh it just summed up really his and Red Bull season they were just in another league to everybody else the RBA team was always going well around this track it's uh you might not think it has much in common with Spa Abu Dhabi but the track does in many ways it's got these long long straights but it's also got these sort of slow speed corners and it really just does suit the RBA team down to an absolute T so I think it just allowed Max to yeah bring out the absolute best of that car this weekend a very sort of comfortable run to pole position and then yeah repeating that in the race so 15 wins for the season I think 
one of the best Formula One seasons of all time. I think it's got to be up there with the, with, with some of the greatest performances. He's been superb this year and signing off in style. It's it's just been a very dominant year and it's kind of, it's weird. Well, I think we'll look back on this year and there'll be so many Max Verstappen races we, we do remember, obviously. I think obviously we'll remember Brazil and what happened there. And um, yeah, there's, there's plenty through the season that you can sort of pick out and they'll be fresh in the mind. But I think there's also going to be races where you're like, oh yeah, that was just, one of those max wins wasn't it like nothing really memorable happened in his race he didn't have any kind of challenger he just dominated start to finish and that was that today a few podcasts ago luke that i think you and i were talking about how i kind of needed to recalibrate my brain this year when you look at verstappen's and red bull's absolute dominance and it felt to me without looking at the data on a page like it had been a more competitive season than it really had. And I think you said at the time to me, yeah, but that, that might be because of qualifying and because of the, the, you know, whereas Leclerc had like 40-something percent of, of all the pole positions this year, just couldn't convert them. So it it felt like, a to me, it felt like a competitive year. But when you say that, just absolute dominance from, from Max Verstappen. And that leads me on to the next point, Luke, which is he's off and away in winning today. So let's talk all about second place and therefore... Who comes second in the championship? Obviously coming after the controversy of the last race. What are your thoughts on how Red Bull could have played it today? Perez, of course, didn't. So Leclerc's got that second, which he seemed really delighted with. There's so many questions I want to dig into. Like, does second even matter? And if it does, because Red Bull have never done the, the uh, whatever you want to call it, like triple crown, constructors, drivers, and a one-two, which is amazing that they've never done that with their driver pairings they've had. Could they have engineered it in some way? Oh, there's a lot to get into. Look, we're going to get your, get your thoughts first on Perez not finishing second in the Drivers' Championship. Um, well, firstly, to your point of does it matter, absolutely it matters. Like You might think, oh, if you're not winning it, then, then so what? But I'm sure F1 drivers and their, their contracts have various bonuses and various uh, payments and attachments that are uh, linked to oh, championship yes. position and things like that. So I'm sure for Checo, that would have, uh, that, that's obviously that's a natural incentive, of course. Um, also, the, the pride of, yeah, finishing second in a championship, but over third, you'd always take second every single day of the week. So uh, it definitely matters for Red but yeah, that's what they wanted. They wanted to lock out those top two positions and really make a statement with that. But engineering it was always going to be quite difficult because ultimately the dominance of Red Bull meant that really it should have been, yeah, it should have been a one-two finish. And basically Max always said, like, I will help Checo if needed. But the only way that Max would have helped Checo is if he was, if, if he, but that he wouldn't have won the race. Because say he was P1 and Checo was P2 and had to let Checo pass to or whatever well he wouldn't need to because Perez would have finished second anyway and that therefore beaten the clerk so there wasn't really a lot that Verstappen could have done but he was asked afterwards like was there ever a point they sort of asked you to do anything to help Checo Um, and uh, he said no there wasn't he said but also I don't think it's it would be a very way very nice way to end a season and again you sort of put that against what happened in Brazil and think like "Mm, okay yeah (laughs) right right Um, so it's it's interesting but I think that for Red Bull today what cost Perez as P2 in the championship and in the race ultimately was um, was down to his tyre wear and it's weird because Checo is the tyre whisperer he's had this reputation throughout his Formula 1 career and um, he um, today though he actually went through his medium tyres in the first stint way way too hard he, he, he pushed and pushed and ultimately that caused the, the front right tyre to open up too much and there was a lot of graining it went through and that allowed Leclerc to really really close up and then it put Ferrari in a position where it could put pressure on Perez whereas it maybe been a bit too far back beforehand so Perez had to come in for this early first stop on lap 15 and that always meant that doing a one stop from there was going to be really really difficult Ferrari then they brought Leclerc in six laps later and his fresher tyres worked he was able to close the gap right the way down to Perez and it got to the point where Red Bull said okay we need to decide what we're doing here Ferrari were ready as well because they were like he's in our crosshairs now and if you're the chasing car you've always got that chance to be a little bit more flexible and perhaps positive in in your actions we saw that last year with Verstappen he was trailing Hamilton so he said right I'll roll the dice and uh, Ferrari said to Leclerc box opposite to Perez meaning if Perez pits you don't and if he doesn't pit you come in and Red Bull they brought Perez in Uh, they went for another set of hard tyres and basically said to Checo look you've got 20 seconds to make up but 
you've got much fresher tyres and you should get him by the end of the race. Checo had a sort of sort of lost time in a lot of places. He um, his battle with Hamilton, I think that cost him um, a, a bit of time. He spent maybe a lap longer trying to pass Hamilton than than, than he really wanted to. Uh, in the end, he decided against a DRS overtake at the end of the first zone instead of waiting to get him at the end of the second zone because that's where he'd been repassed by Hamilton. Uh, but in the end, it wasn't enough. He finished 1.3 seconds short at the flag. Uh, Christian Horner reckons that if there'd been one more lap, that would have been enough to to, to get Checo ahead of Leclerc. Oh, I'm not so sure about yeah. that. But I think that for Red Bull today, it was just a case that it was such a fine thing that the tyres, which is normally Checo's strong suit, it just didn't work out today. He said he's not found the tyres as easy to work with throughout this season. And ultimately that's cost him. And the thing I would also note in all of this, had Verstappen given Perez that position uh, into Lagos last week, that would not have changed this. Perez would still have finished third in the championship behind Leclerc, albeit only by a point instead of three points. But, yeah, that basically did not decide uh, P2 versus P3 in the championship because if it had, oh, that would be one hell of a story for us to tuck into. Well, of course, last week, Jess, we didn't have you for you to weigh in on that Red Bull-created controversy uh, that they managed to conjure up out of nowhere um, at all of their own doing. Je- Jess, I mean, feel free to weigh in on that if you want to, uh, but also your thoughts on how much Max should be helping Perez, if any... And should Checo need any help, he's one of the best drivers on the grid. Driving a car that is the class of the field by the end of the season, that shouldn't even be a battle. And you can fight amongst yourselves whether you think Leclerc's a better driver than Perez. Um, What? what, I'm sorry. What? (laughs) What? I'm sorry. Leclerc or Perez the best? I'm sorry. No, sorry, Jess. You you have your bit. No, no, I didn't say he was. I'm saying you can... I said you can fight amongst yourselves whether you think that he is or not. Martin, you are slowly winding up Kev. Honestly. Like a loaded <laughs> screen. Kev's got like, he's got a list of things to, to, to go My with. My pain has run out of ink. Right, <laughs> you wait until so, he goes. Thoughts on all of that. I mean, that's a lot to unpack yeah. and we've only got a limited time on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but the, the, I mean, the thing that I found, uh, I, right, okay. And what we do have to take into account here is that Uh, A lot of these drivers, English isn't their first language and therefore should be looking to word usage as much as I'm about to suggest, potentially not. But he said it wouldn't be a nice way to end the season had he blocked Leclerc and helped Perez out, Um, which, but he said in the press conference on Thursday that he's a nice guy. So, well, why wouldn't he be nice? I mean, the thing thing that, that comes... Out of all of this, including last week, Verstappen has nothing to lose and Perez had everything to gain. Now, to your point, should Max be in a position where he has to help out his teammate in arguably the most dominant team? If you know, if we're not going to say most dominant car, I think that's still up for that's still up for debate. But the most dominant team, you would argue, no, he shouldn't be that far back and having to constantly ask for help. But he did. It's in the benefit of the team to finish with as many points as possible. Um, you could also argue, actually, that it's not to the benefit of the team to have their driver finish high up because they have to pay them more money. So, I mean, <laughs> conspiracy theories could be, you know, they could go into overdrive here. Um, but I think Red Bull, and especially Christian Horner, is in a very dangerous and precarious place right now. Everything, In what way? everything that has come out of Red Bull since last week has shown that neither Helmut Marco nor Christian Horner run that team. The Verstappen camp runs that team. You could tell by the press release. I mean, the press release they put out explaining what happened last week did not mention Checo Perez once. It only apologized to max and i think that that is that's all you need to know that's all you need to know about what where the power balance hangs in the red bull camp it's purely and utterly in the hands of max verstappen and i think it's extremely dangerous position for a team to have a driver and the driver's entourage be the one that has the most power 
because in theory, no one, not even the owners, should be bigger than the team. But we have an instance now where the driver is bigger than the team and that is going to be hell to manage. And to be honest, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that this is deserving, but the only way out that I can see is that they'll get rid of Horner um, and, no. and bring something else in. I, 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 I cannot see a way out for Horner right now. He's been completely undermined. He's clearly, you know, the whole team, I'm not talking about him specifically here, because I want to make that very clear. Like this is an attack on Christian Horner, but he has been backed into a corner and he has to say yes to Max all the time. Um, the statements that he's given to Sky and to the media since then, it's all talking about these conversations happen behind closed doors. This is an internal matter. But that's because they have nothing to say. If they said, I'm sure, like ex- what is really going on, they have to keep Verstappen happy because he's their, not to go all Star Wars quote, but he's their only hope, right? Like he currently is the one that is going to win them the championships. Sergio Perez will not win them championships. Um, True. But it's a very yep. different situation. I always talk about the, 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 the binaries of Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen in that, Lewis constantly talks about the team. We're a team. We work together. We rise together. We fall together. Everything's about we are one unit, even though he wields Mm. a hell of a lot of power in that team. And I'm sure that there are conversations that are had behind closed doors where Lewis says, "Ah, actually, this is what we're going to do. But you never, ever Mm. get the sense publicly that Lewis Hamilton is bigger than Toto Wolff. In the Red Bull camp... I would argue you don't get that same sense. I think you get you get the sense of it probably changed as of last week, but there have been multiple instances where you can see that that they're almost afraid to upset Verstappen, and they have to. If he says jump, they say how high, and I, that's mm. that's a very very precarious place for a team to be in because nobody should be bigger than the team. What you've just said reminds me that last week on the radio when they crossed the line, Christian was straight on the radio to. Perez to say I'm sorry and that felt like that was his natural as a compassionate human being as his team boss he immediately said I'm so sorry after Perez asked for um the 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 drivers to be swapped in the sprint that it wasn't discussed as a as an option for the 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 Grand Prix itself because that's they're saying that they shouldn't have left it late they left it to the last lap well actually if you scroll back through f1 tv and listen to radio calls even with the slight delay in when we hear the radio versus what we see on screen (laughs) wasn't done on the last lap it wasn't mentioned on the last lap sergio perez oh there were multiple yeah multiple reminders to the got it got it well sergio perez got it at least three laps from the end if not four Yeah, yeah. And and you're telling me that 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 it, they left it to the last lap to tell Max? I I yeah. highly highly doubt that. So there are holes in their argument for what happened. Um and like it does it just does smack like I'm so I'm so on the fa- it's more that the way that Red Bull have gone about it that's irking me and making me quite frustrated with with them as 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 an entity. Um but at the same time like had we been talking about Lewis Hamilton and Bottas and Bottas constantly asking for help, then I might have said, screw Bottas. Like, what? Yeah. Get, get up there and be faster or get up there and, and, and do better. Um, but I think it's, yeah. the, it's, the, it's the power play that is the, is the more interesting factor here for me when we're, we're talking about this example. Um, yeah, what? Yeah. Especially when mm. Max had nothing to lose. I think he's come across as very selfish. He's come across as very belligerent. I think he would probably admit that he didn't, he knows he didn't come across well. I think he was shocked with the level of negativity that he got from last weekend. Um, and I think that you could see that again in the press conference when he was talking about the amount of abuse that him and his family received. Drivers are selfish by design. I think they have to be. Yeah. But at the same time, you've won everything. You've won everything. Like, if anything, it makes you look better if you're having to give, like, like a, a, a toe to your much slower teammate. I just... It, do, it makes you look far better it's just, if you are helping, you know, oh, I'll, I'll help him out. Go on, guys. Yeah. Um, I'd, li- I'd like to know what Kev would think about that, actually. Oh, well, 
We've got a lot right. to come to Kev. Uh, but I tell you what, we'll, we'll take a quick break oh. and make Kev wait another 30 oh, it'll seconds. Be worth, it'll uh, be worth so waiting for. So stay where for. you are. It'll be worth waiting for. We'll, <laughs> we'll come back and we'll give Kev the floor. Uh, and we'll talk about uh, some other drivers we say goodbye to in Formula One and maybe team bosses that have sat on the pit wall for the very final time. Uh, stick around back next. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, let's talk a lot about uh, how the how the second place is the story. Who would have thought it of the of the final race of the season and whether whether uh, actually uh, let me throw another variable into the mix. <laughs> Add this to your bullet point list of things to talk about. Whether clinching second place in the drivers' championship at least, which is the best result Ferrari have had since 2018 is enough to keep Mattia Bonotto in a job when the rumours this week were that he was being lined up to be replaced and that he is not on speaking terms with Charles Leclerc. What? That also seems like a crazy rumour. Where do you want to start, really? Where do you want I've to start? Literally pick, I've literally Second picked place, up like a Perez. stress ball I'm having to squeeze during the course of this. <laughs> I don't really know where to start. Uh, okay, so first of all, I agree with Jess that Verstappen has the control of you know, Red Bull. Um, I don't actually think it's entirely unheralded at Red Bull because I think Vettel wasn't told off when he should have been at various points when he was there because he was the Red Bull protege. They knew they needed to hang on to him. So he got away with things that he probably shouldn't have done, multi-21, Turkey 2010. I think the difference now is, obviously, there's no Dietrich Mateschitz above everyone who can say, well, this is what we're doing because I'm in charge. Probably the Verstappen family... He's probably got more more clout within the the paddock and within the, the you know the situation than the, than the Vettel clan would have done, and I think probably as we've just been talking about, Vettel is you know a fundamentally really nice guy. Whereas you know I don't think that we would necessarily say that about Max. He's still maturing, so we don't know where he's going to be in ten years. So yes, I think that that's an issue. How much of an issue is it for the team? Uh, it can go either way. Um, you know, in the Vettel case, it didn't matter for Red Bull too much because it wasn't Vettel going that was their problem but if you go back to Ayrton Senna at McLaren in the early 90s it got to the point where he was pretty much calling the shots to the point where he'd rock up on a Thursday or Friday in 93 to decide yeah I'm going to race this weekend all the time while trying to engineer himself into a Williams seat McLaren spent lots of money on keeping Senna because he was you know the the thing to have which Ron Dennis later said but actually curtailed our development of all the trick stuff that was on the Williams, which Senna then went and got into anyway. So, and then when, how long was it after Senna left that McLaren won again? It's four years before they even won another Grand Prix. So you can put too much of your, too many of your eggs in the, in the one driver basket. And that's why it's dangerous to, yeah, to let them have too much control. Having said all that, I don't really have much sympathy for Perez in this. A, because I slightly disagree with Luke in that does anyone really care about second in the Drivers' Championship? I don't think they do really that much. There might be some bonuses. I take that, that on board. But I think in 10 years' time, no one's going to care who finished second in the 2022 F1 World Championship, apart from people like us when we're writing histories. Um, <laughs> but also, the reason that Perez wasn't second in the World Championship is he wasn't good enough. He wasn't good enough today. He hasn't been good enough all season. Today... You know, he locked up after going past Vettel, lost the position to Aston Martin. That lost him track time. Luke's already mentioned, obviously, he lost, track t- he lost a little bit of time fighting Hamilton. A little bit reverse to what happened last year, actually. Um, yeah. He hasn't this year been as good on tyre preservation, uh, looking after it as Max. We saw that at Azerbaijan. Uh, he hasn't been quick enough. And if you look at the you know, the super times gaps across the weekend between the drivers, I was having a quick look before I came on. He's is the second biggest gap behind Albon Latifi. 
he's is an even bigger percentage gap between Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez than there is between Lando Norris and Danny Ricciardo, who everyone says has had a terrible year and it's you know where there's no big loss to him going out of F1, which I don't agree with by the way. Um, so you know Perez just hasn't been good enough in that car. And I think it shows you how good Red Bull has been as a team, how good the RB18 is, and frankly, how many times Ferrari have lost points for Leclerc. And to be fair, Leclerc's thrown it off a couple of times, but really, that's the reason there was a fight for second in the championship. Um, And as for how much Max should care about that, do any of the great drivers care about whether their teammate finishes second in the championship? I don't. I can't think of any no. example where someone's. The only thing I can really think of is when Schumacher came back to help Eddie Irvine in '99, but that was to help him win the title, and actually he was amazingly effective at that at the uh, the penultimate race before they got to Japan. <laughs> but that's for, I'm literally struggling to think of any other situations where a number one has helped a number two in that way, other than when they've kind of gifted them a win as a thank you, which is slightly different. So. Yes, I think Max has too much control at Red Bull, but no, I don't think it's his fault that Perez wasn't second in the championship. Is that a good summary? Yeah, and my goodness, didn't Leclerc sound relieved? Oh, when I think he, he was the mega line. today. Like that was a that was a, and that that's why I, I, I yeah slightly shocked at the question of who's better than Leclerc or Perez. Like Leclerc is a championship <laughs> contending driver. The yeah, maybe he's a little bit rough around the edges. Although I think if you look at the F one seventy five. It's quick, but it's peaky. It's a difficult car to hang on to. It took Carlos Sainz, who's a very good Grand Prix driver, half a season to get on top of it. I think what Leclerc did uh, in the first half of the year in particular was you know, was championship-caliber driving. If you look at their percentage differences, 0.002% between Verstappen and Leclerc in qualifying this year. So that is a, that's as close as a gap as I've ever come across, and I've been going through... Yeah, like a sad, like a sad archivist, uh, well, a happy archivist actually. That's the closest gap that I've come across, uh, and actually the Ferraris ended up because of that point zero one seven percent ahead of the Red Bull over the season. Uh, but I think that's wow. that is that that doesn't reflect their race pace on a Sunday because obviously that's a different thing. But I think it gives you an idea as to the, the miracles that Leclerc's performed. He's been hanging it out a bit, as we saw in France, sometimes a bit too much. But he finished second in a car that should have finished third today, and Perez finished third in a car that finished should have finished second, and that's why Leclerc's the right yep. person to be second in the championship. What if it's true that he won't talk to Mattia Binotto? I it's can't hard believe to believe that, that this, isn't it? Thing, these things are coming out, which and it was all that that picture or that that shot of of him sort of getting a telling off it's, earlier in the, in the season. It was. I, I just I find the whole thing like if Ferrari have. I mean, come on, Ferrari can't make a change at the top. They've had it. They've yes, they have massively underperformed today. They made the right call when well, they haven't always made the right call this year. But it would just be peak Ferrari it, to just I, change. I it think all, if they it? if they like, change uh, Bonotto now, they're more likely to take a backward step than if they keep him. That's not the same as longer term. Are they more likely to win a championship with him or not? That's a sort of slightly different question. I personally would keep him there because if you look where they've come from in the last two or three years. You know they've come from come from nowhere. Like we were talking about Seb retiring last year. Imagine if he retired at the end of twenty twenty after Ferrari's horrendous midfield. Like that was that would have been terrible for both Ferrari and Vettel. And they've come an awful long way uh, since then. So yeah, I, I think it's a bit early. I, I'd be very surprised if Leclerc wasn't speaking to Bonotto. He doesn't strike me as that kind of guy at all. In fact, if anything, I think Charles is perhaps a bit too nice. I think there are points early in the season where he should have said, "I'm the number one." Get Carlos out the way. I need to be getting like some serious, a little bit like Jess said about Lewis. Don't necessarily do it in public, but behind the scenes, like you stamp stamp your feet and like I'm the number one guy. Ferrari have taken a very long time to decide who their number one driver is, and it, it, sometimes it feels like they still don't know. But it is Leclerc. I'm telling you, it is Leclerc. Back him. Carlos is mega, but Charles is mega and a little bit more. He's he's he's. It's him. Yep. Russell and Hamilton, maybe Lando, yeah. that are going to be the people that can that can stop Max. I don't see anyone else being able to do that. Well, let's get on to because uh, you no know, time is running on, and I don't want to do basically the season review podcast now because we are talking about uh, one race and doing our race review. But let's talk a little bit about McLaren. We do say goodbye to Daniel Ricciardo. It just seems like an open secret that he's going to be with Red Bull next year as their test and reserve driver. But also today, Lando got a great start, taking George Russell at the start today and finishing so many points clear of the Alpines. 
And you can get into that debate again about Ricardo and the job that he did or didn't do at, at, at McLaren. But Lando probably flew under the radar a little bit. He made his joke about, you know, being Mr. Mr. Number Seven or changing his number. But, and that sort of, I think, does him a disservice in that he's had a cracker, had a good a good one today and a good one uh, this year, Luke. And, and so uh, with McLaren, uh, what's your thoughts on Ricardo and, uh, and, and that partnership there going forward? Lando's had a, a brilliant season. He's really, really performed at a very high level. There have been 66 podium finishes in Formula 1 this season, 22 times 3, and 65 of those have been taken by Mercedes, Red Bull and Ferrari drivers. The only one exception is Lando Norris at Imola. Uh, he said to me mid-season that it blows his mind that he managed to get that podium. And I said to him today, like, oh, you're the only driver outside of Merck, Ferrari, Red Bull who's got a podium this year. What does that, what does that say? And he just went... Oh, I'm incredible, aren't I? And then obviously joking and laughed. And, uh, but he said, uh, he said no. He said, yeah, it's it's good. But ultimately, McLaren still lost that fight for P4 against Alpine in the constructors' championship. That's that's what they were gunning for. McLaren have always said that they've had the slower package compared to Alpine. That they stayed ahead far longer than they thought they would. But ultimately, yeah, Lando finished 30 points ahead of Ocon. 41 points ahead of Fernando Alonso. So if Daniel Ricciardo had been that much closer to Lando, then it would have been tilted far more in, in, in McLaren's favour. But what they've done, I think they can be they can be pleased with this season. Ultimately, they're a team that aren't going to be fighting for the top three places so long as sort of their infrastructure and stuff is that far behind. It will take time for that to come online. But... Um, but for Daniel Ricciardo as well, I mean, I think, yeah, just really nice that he managed to sign off with with a couple of points today. It's been such a tough season for him. We all know that. And obviously a, a really rough road with McLaren largely. But I think today it was nice, like all of the team members, they all had cowboy hats and stuff they were wearing to, to sign him off. And uh, yeah, I think Daniel's very appreciative for all they've, they've done for him, even if this partnership hasn't really worked out. And I think we'll probably get news in the, the next day or two confirming him at Red Bull for next year in that third driver role. Uh, it sounds like more of a like marketing and show runs kind of thing, which is it's a bit of a shame in terms of that you want right. to see Daniel Ricciardo in a cockpit, obviously, and racing. And I think that hopefully he'll be back in 24. But he said, look, I want to kind of use next year to work out do I want to come back? Do I want to keep racing and stuff like that? So he's got his reasons for that. And that, that's totally fair enough. But I think for McLaren now, yeah, it's just time to focus on the future and that's Oscar Piastri coming in I, I asked Lando after the race that yeah Piastri is going to be in the car on Tuesday have uh, you guys started to like talk about plans for next year yet or anything like that and he said no he said I've, I've met Oscar once I think like I've not actually had a proper chat with him or anything like that so that is now the focus from as of well what today now in Abu Dhabi well after midnight so mm. it's uh it, yeah it's a yeah. good I think they'll look at this season. I think Lando can look at this season and be very, very proud because, yeah, he's maybe been a bit Mr. P7 at times, but given how far ahead the front three teams are that should occupy the top six positions, then that's kind of the best you can do, really. So, uh, yeah, a really good year for Lando and I think a, a good race for him to end on in Abu Dhabi. He even said, oh, I set the fastest laps. That means I must be the fastest driver on the F1 grid. Again, joking. Jess, your thoughts on those we're saying goodbye to. Daniel Ricciardo could well be around next year if those rumours are true. Mick Schumacher had a good race today, but too little, too late. Decisions made. Your thoughts on those drivers that that, that uh, we've talked about Vettel, obviously, already, but we say goodbye to? It's quite... I don't know if we quite expected... Maybe it's just me, but I didn't quite expect so much change. I was thinking about it, like how many people were going to see in their new race suits on Tuesday at the uh, pretty tyre test and... Um, how many people we're we're losing, um, and there's 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 kind of like obviously there's there's teams mm. that are, there's drivers switching teams, there's the, those that you've already mentioned in terms of leaving altogether. Obviously, someone that's gone massively massively under the radar, and I actually asked a Williams uh, team member today whether or not he was almost relieved Latifi that all of this other stuff was going on, so he could kind kind of just quietly. Mm leave the paddock um, and go on to whatever he, he ends up doing next. Um, and I don't know, they, they they kind of didn't really give me an answer, um, but said that he, he wasn't particularly, um, I think not particularly happy with the way the season's gone. Mm. I, I think as you could probably imagine. Um, and, and, you know, Mick, in his responses, I think he's incredibly disappointed to not have been kept on. Um, but as you say, it, it sounds like maybe he might be going to Mercedes uh, to replace De Vries as one of their reserve drivers. Um, Toto has spoken 
very um, positively about him. Um, but again, yeah, I think there's a debate to be had. I'm, I'm not sure if you've had a debate yet, Martin, because I've not um, had a chance to listen to the other, <laughs> no, you've missed yeah, to the other podcast. But you know, is is the right thing to do replace Mick with Hulkenberg? I would probably argue no. Shock. But, hey. Uh, Shock as Jess is anti Hulkenberg in the car. <laughs> Who'd like Mick, Mick, Mick oh, needs no. Mick needs time in the seat. Mick needs time in a, in, a, in a race seat to work out those rough edges that we've seen this yep. year. He's not he's not a complete he's not a complete driver, but and he has acquitted himself well at times. But being a test and reserve and spending time in the sim doesn't achieve that, and, and we won't but this know is, his. This has really been the first without without a this race. This is the first season he's really been able to be anywhere other than always at the back. I'm not saying yeah, yeah, yeah. you know he's had plenty of time at the back. He's had some rather costly crashes. I'm not saying he like lights the world on fire, but with with Magnussen, who is the steady constant and the experience, you know, Haas is kind of covered now. I'm not saying you know that that excuses. Um, some of the bad performances that he's had this year. But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to be pleasantly surprised, Kev, by the Hulk's performances <laughs> next year. But I know, I, I, I have heard that the the team, that, that, that there's there was disappointment with his level of fitness at the beginning of the year when he had to jump in the car. Um, and although, like, you know, he did an okay job for someone who has never driven or tested um, this era of F1 car, he did okay. Um and yeah, I, I'm sure he's going to be, he's been using all of his time. You know, again, I can't remember if we've spoken about it, but apparently he gave a PowerPoint presentation. So taking a leaf out of George Russell's book in terms of <laughs> convincing Gunter Steiner that he's ready. Um, I'm sure he's going to do all the prep he can. Um, but I don't know. It's just like, I mean, maybe Haas does just need someone very vanilla. I think they're maybe both, that, but that, oh. isn't that the point? They're both kind of fine. Like Mick Schumacher is yeah. not going to be a future world champion, but he, I think actually the way he's compared to get, it's been nice to have a season where they've been alongside Magnussen, who's a known quantity. Whereas last year against Mazepin, you were like, I, I, I don't know. You could both be driving around two seconds off the pace, and we wouldn't have a clue. Whereas now, so actually, Mick Schumacher is a perfectly solid, acceptable Grand Prix driver. Is he a future world champion? No. And I so think Hulkenberg is, not- is basically the same, but with more experience, <laughs> but less recent. I'm not saying I have a preference either way. I think it's pretty... Oh, Kev, don't sit on the fence. It- Come on. T- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, for me, I just always have a bit of a thing about Hulkenberg because he did... If you if you always look at drivers like coming up to the junior ranks, he, he set fire to every series he was in. He was amazing. He he delivered that incredible pole for Williams in Brazil. Like there, he, He's got more of an X factor about him than Mick has ever had. But yeah. have we has, has that moment now gone? I, I wonder whether it probably has. Like, are just, we ever going to see that I, again? To me, there are the, there are two standout drivers from this year from outside the big three, and they are Alonso and, and yeah. Norris. Mm-hmm. And the difference mm-hmm. is that Alonso's car doesn't finish any races. Like again, like yeah. it didn't finish today. Like, it's just what the hell is going on there? Whereas Norris's car finishes. So yeah, but he hasn't got a teammate that's been able to score. So Alpine have won by having two strong drivers and McLaren lost by having they've had more reliability in one strong driver basically um, I can't remember where we've gone to that side oh Hulkenberg and Mick Schumacher <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm yeah, struggling yeah, yeah. to get overly invested in either storyline if I'm honest but I, I'd like to see yeah. I'd like to see Hulkenberg do well just because I've always thought he was he's someone that hasn't delivered what he's uh, I think he's under-delivered on his ability whereas I think Mick is just delivering what we expected Let's talk a little bit in the last few minutes uh, about where we head next. And that is, Luke, nowhere. You're staying exactly where you are. Don't check out of the hotel. I get to move hotels at least. <laughs> uh, but because yeah, you're staying... No, I'm sticking oh, around. Oh, okay, right. Because uh, you're going to stick around to watch uh, the tyre test. But it is really interesting because drivers probably not in fully commercially branded race suits... Uh, as you mentioned last week, uh, there'll probably be uh, a few logos missing because 
teams have allowed drivers to leave early and uh, and go to the competitors and things like that. Logan Sargent secured his FIA Super License over the course of the F2 um, weekend as well. So, who are you expecting and looking forward to seeing in the cars uh, tomorrow? Yeah, there's oh wow, crikey! Yeah, thanks, Martin. Um, there's lots of uh, there are lots of changes. <laughs> yeah, and it's a good chance for everybody to get just bed in with their new teams. And although obviously you don't learn anything about the 2023 car because it's not the 2023 car, it's little things like getting a seat fitting done and sort of like pedal placement and steering wheel and how systems work and everything like that. There's lots of little adjustments that the teams can make and just really understand to try and get the new drivers more acclimatized to their cars. And the other thing is that testing is so limited next year. They get three days in Bahrain, so that's one and a half days per driver, uh, plus obviously a couple of shakedowns. That's all the running you get. So any extra time you can have to kind of speed things up and I guess shortcut this learning curve is really, really valuable. Um, The big one is obviously Fernando Alonso at Aston Martin. He's going to be, he said last week, an all-black race suit he'll have. So uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah, it's quite sort of stig-like, isn't it? Sort of being all uh, without the proper logos Mm. and stuff. But yeah, he, um, I mean, he, it's been a, torrid season for him in terms of reliability and he just said today yeah I'm, I'm happy it's finished now I'm happy I'm done and that uh, he could just sort of like get on with uh, get on with the next chapter which is with Aston Martin and he said yeah it's going to be amazing there and he's uh, very excited and positive about that project and uh, it'll be a first chance for him to yeah get in the car and, and see how he can get on um, I believe Lance Stroll's going to be doing a few runs at the end of the day I don't know it's sounded like that but um, yeah but it'll still be a chance for um it'll still be a chance for Fernando to get up to speed a little bit with Aston and then obviously Oscar Piastri finally back in an F1 car and with McLaren for the first time Piastri's been here this weekend but in like plain clothing so not like in McLaren gear or anything Um, I'm not entirely sure contractually where things stand in terms of um, if he's going to be like in full McLaren gear and stuff but still it's going to be a chance for him to again get up to speed and see what life with McLaren is like and give him a first taste Uh, Pierre Gasly he's going to be um, with Alpine of course he's uh, he's the man replacing Fernando Alonso we had an interesting media session with Otmar Safnauer after the race and he said um, asked him about sort of the season and politically like how tough he found the um, Piastri court case and he said well it's something we had to go through and he said at the end of all of it I think we've ended up with a better driver and that was really really interesting I thought it struck me as being like okay I mean and it's like well maybe you would say that because ultimately you um that, yeah. that's how the case panned out but he said hey look but he's a Grand Prix winner he's established he's still young so yeah I think we've actually ended up better off there um, yeah I mean that's that's probably a whole nother podcast when we come into well, the start of uh, next season should, should, I think <laughs> we should take is. a bet which will explode first the Alonso and Stroll situation <laughs> by Stroll I mean Stroll Senior or will it be the two French talents at Alpine I think both of those have got absolute train wreck written over them which could be could be good for your headlines next year I reckon Luke that should, yeah, be, we'll should be interesting I, I, I do also I actually want to tell a little story about Alpine and, and mention them because it's uh, they on front on Saturday uh, Otmar Safnar hosted a roundtable media session uh, that uh, John Noble our colleague from motorsport.com attended after that session happened a few people said to me they're like oh have you heard what Otmar said about you and I was like no what's, what's been going on there and uh, Otmar apparently went round the media session and said right where did everyone say we would finish this season and everyone said well either like fourth or fifth or sixth or I can't remember and uh, then apparently he said oh well Luca Autosport he said we finished eighth and I was like, oh, yeah, and I, and I did. I did. There was a video that came out in testing where I said, I think they're going to finish eighth and be the disappointment of this season because their first test was terrible. And Lauren Rossi, the Alpine CEO, said today, um, sorry, said on Saturday uh, that they were a shambles after the first test. So that that kind of shows that yeah, I was kind of semi-justified in what I said. But um, clearly that was used as some kind of motivation, I think. And then today we were working out who goes to what media sessions. And uh, I said, no, I'll go to Alma. I'm happy to take it on the chin and say, yeah, I got it wrong and whatever. And uh, I went into Alpine and I sat down waiting for him. And then over to me came Alan Permain, their sporting director, and Lauren Rossi, the, the big boss of Alpine. And uh, Alan said, uh, oh, we've just been watching your video where you said we finish eighth and we would be the disappointed of the season and I was like oh here we go here we go and uh, Pemaine was like yeah quite the expert quite the expert and I said yeah look fair play lads like I got that wrong totally fair well done congratulations shook hands with them and everything and then Otmar came over to start the session I said oh well Otmar some media are writing you off 
pre-season saying he might finish as low as eighth. Like, who, who would say that? And he said, eighth, eighth. How on earth did you think eighth? And I said, yeah, maybe I'm in the wrong job. I don't know. But um, no, it was all it was all good. And, like, and one of um, one of the workers at Alpine messaged me to say, um, yeah, yeah, you handled that really well. And again, I'm happy to. I think it's important that we do make these kind of predictions and that we are opinionated in terms of what we say. Obviously, you, you want to do that with. Um, you can't just say things for the sake of it. It's got to have some sort of basis. But um, yeah, but also have the sort of the gumption to say look yeah I got it wrong fair play lads because Alpine did a great job this year to beat McLaren to that position they said they don't regret going for the aggressive strategy with the car in terms of going for pace over reliability and uh, yeah very well deserved uh, Esteban Ocon really good drive from him today as well I think and they've done I think a good job this year so well done out Al- well done Alpine thank you for consuming our content and watching our videos and reading our articles and uh, yeah we'll see where how my mystic sort of predictions go for next year but um, we've also got uh, some youngsters in Jack Doohan will be in the second Alpine car uh, Felipe Drogovic will be in the Aston Martin Logan Sargent as well I think tomorrow we should get sort of formal confirmation basically he will be racing for Williams next year even though we know that is the case uh, but that'll be another chance for him to get up speed before his debut f1 season and uh, yeah i think it should be a pretty pretty exciting test as tests go and if they can be exciting and with so little before the testing as you've as you've mentioned already next year how they end this year is incredibly incredibly important uh, of course there'll be development over the winter but just whether people leave on a high or a low coming back to that leclerc thing as well about leaving on a high and feeling uh, like they're buoyed by the last race of the year. Shouldn't matter, but it totally does. Jess, thank you very much for everything that you've done on the Autosport podcast this year. Uh, and what what a year it's been. Uh, again, without doing the season podcast review, uh, safe travels back home over the next few days. How you how are you feeling about how Formula One's wrapped up this year? I can't believe how quickly this season has felt like it's gone by. I know it's not quite 12 months since we were here wrapping up the 2021 season but I can't believe that's it um I'm actually I'm a little bit worried about how I might feel tomorrow I mean you you always get the postseason blues when you realize that there's no more racing to go to and that we're going to go quiet for uh well almost two months probably you're yeah, invited to don't... one of the top 10 podcasts then Jess you can be a guest oh, on I? one of those yeah well, you can we'll come and argue with me about other stuff it's fine we can get I through mean, the winter I mean we've got we've got the Autosport Awards and everything to look forward to so that's going to be coming up two weeks well my time two weeks yesterday mine and Luke's time <laughs> two weeks two yeah. weeks on Sunday um but yeah we've got I mean we've got we're going to have plenty to keep ourselves busy with I mean there's still so much I think left to unwrap about this season even if it wasn't as dramatic let's say as last season um that will keep us busy for the for the winter break luke and i have already been plotting what videos we're going to be putting out over the winter period because we've realized that there's some cracking storylines that we want to dive into deeper um you've already mentioned martin and kev you've got podcasts coming out so i'm sure like as always the winter break's going to go by in a flash just like i feel like this season has um, but it's always such a privilege to be a part of it. I always get to this point in the year and get rather reflective, hence why I'm a bit worried about how I'm going to be tomorrow, because I wonder if everything's going to hit me all at once, like Vettel leaving, yes. Ricardo leaving, end of the season, like all of that stuff. I think, I think when you're still in it and you're still, you know, we're still sat here at quarter to one in the morning recording a podcast that you don't really have the time to get reflective, but... I think I'm just going to, I mean, the the World Cup's starting tomorrow. So I think the load of us that are staying out for testing are going to go find somewhere to watch that tomorrow um, in in Abu Dhabi. So uh, Mm. we'll keep ourselves distracted, no doubt. Well, Vettel said he felt empty. Mm after when he was uh, empty after the race uh, which is how which is how I feel uh, about 10 past 5 when I get a tap on the shoulder from my little one saying daddy I'm awake <laughs> empty is, is how I feel uh, which is uh, saying goodbye to Formula 1 I've still got memories of, of you know finishing off a triple header and uh, and sort of collapsing on a Monday or I don't know recording the podcast at 3am uh, UK time after the US races so uh, so I've got a, I, I'm not feeling nostalgic yet about the season I'm still slightly slightly happy that, it, that, that I now get a couple of months not talking about uh, race reviews. Uh, Kev, 
Ah, oh, there we go. Oh, right, I, that's that's twenty twenty. Honestly, don't know what you're up. all talking you're about. F- to be honest, I've got the Christmas double issue, and then I usually find some random retro thing to work on over December and January. Yeah, it's just mega. So, uh, but no, it has it has been quite has been quite a long season. I won't I don't miss I won't miss the uh, the post Sunday Mondays are always quite good fun. Like putting the when you get to about eleven in the morning, already been on for five or six hours and putting together like the F one race <laughs> results and putting soft new tire, hard new tire, soft new tire for you know strolling twelfth. That that gets a little bit uh, that can get a little bit long. But no, generally it's it's uh, it's good. No, but the the season review stuff is is all sort of kicking in now. So. Uh, yeah, now obviously our top fifty list, uh, which has been going for for twenty years now. So um, I look forward wow. to having that debate and moving drivers around, and then everyone telling us that we're wrong anyway. Uh, once it comes out, pretty much. We look forward to the Autosports Awards. If if you are coming to it, uh, I know all sorts of people in Formula One listen to this podcast. So if you are, you know, if you are lucky enough to be going, and then enjoy yourselves. We will see you there. And yes, uh, if you want to find out everything that's happening. Uh, in the world of motorsport, you can check out autosport.com and, of course, motorsport.com, our sister site as well. Check out Autosport magazine every week. Uh, if you want to subscribe to that, it will drop through your letterbox on a Thursday morning. Perfect reading material and uh, and loving the pickies as well, uh, the glorious images that we feature in the magazine. So thank you very much for listening to all of our season reviews this year. But uh, as all of our guests have said today, plenty more to come uh, before we break up for Christmas and New Year. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Reach new career heights with University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. Flexible MBA and MS options. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.